and welcome back to the Final Whistle podcast. My name is Harry McBain and joining me today is Daniel Fears. How are you, Dan? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Now, in today's episode, we are speaking to a man who has played a total of 678 games with 158 appearances of them coming for Birmingham. He's been managed by the likes of Harry Redknapp, Nigel Pearson, as well as Neil Warnock. It's former professional defender, Paul Robinson. Thank you for coming on, Paul. How are you doing? I'm all good, thank you. Are you well, boys? Yep, brilliant. Now, back in 1995, you captained your school team, St Michael's, to the English school's under-16 cup final. And was it at that point that you uh, realised you wanted to become a professional footballer? Um, well, I really liked football from a young age, so I would say before that, really, growing up as a kid, always playing football, always had a football under my arm, um, and then, yeah, when I went to school, obviously, we had a real good school team, and we went on a great run and, and shared the cup with a team from Tranmere, so, uh, so yeah, my love for football was always from a young age. So, um, who were your idols growing up? Like, you had the likes of John Barnes and Glenn Hoddle, who was your idol? Uh, so my idols growing up would have been people like Stuart Pearce, Paolo Maldini, um, just people I love watching who, who were in similar positions to me and just see if I could pick up ideas of how they played, how they defended and what they were like on the ball. Yeah, so they were the type of people that I, I looked up to as a young kid. Now, you grew up in Watford and then went on to play for the club. What was it like to play for your boyhood club? Yeah, it's fantastic for me. Um and I worked with some great coaches there who who, um, who believed in me. And I think that's the most important thing is that when you're working with coaches who believe in you and, and coach on a daily basis, then it makes your job easier as a player to then focus and, and get down, get your head down and, and realise what you need to do. So I had Graham Taylor, who was a massive mentor of mine growing up as a kid. Kenny Jackett, who's now the Portsmouth manager. John McDermott, who's now um, part of the FA setup, and Jimmy Gilligan. Um, so yeah, I, I had inspirational people there that, that wanted to wanted to see me do well. Um, so does a clean sheet to you mean as much as scoring a goal down the other end? Oh yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, I used to love. I used to hate conceding goals as a defender. I, I'd lose my head. I would. Uh, my, my main job as a defender was I wanted to defend. I wanted to win my own battles first with the attackers that I was up against, and then I obviously wanted to, to come away knowing that we'd kept a clean sheet as a team. Now. You you said before that it was a it was you loved football so much and that you obviously loved to to do it as a career. Mm. What made you maybe want to become a defender more than a, you know a striker, which many children nowadays love always dream of being a striker? Well, I was funny enough. I was a striker when I was a kid, <laughs> so that was the position I started off with, um, and I scored loads of goals. And then they obviously they didn't they didn't see it that way and moved me back. Um, but no, I think, like you say, as, as a defender, I, I wanted to play in all the positions. So I'm a left footer. I wanted to play uh, left wing, left back, left wing back. So I, I got a good variation of, um, of positions growing up as a kid. But then Kenny Jackett decided he wanted to see me as a left, left back just because he knew I was athletic and I could get up and down the pitch. Um, so, yeah, I then focused on basically more, more defending, trying to defend better. Um, who was the hardest striker you came across in the Premier League? Um, oh, geez, there was loads. I mean, like the ones that come to the top of my head, like players like Didier Drogba, Ruud van Nistelrooy, um, Andy Cole, Dwight York, just them experienced players that you would come up against as a young kid. Where they were just so hard to play against. 
just because their movement was clever and, and they, they were constantly scoring goals. So, yeah, them, them strikers for me stood out just because of their, the way that they played as individuals. Well, as well as that, who would you say, obviously you had a career that lasted 22 years, who would you say you most enjoyed playing alongside in defence? Um, I had a great partnership um, at West Brom with Neil Clement, Curtis Davis. Um, they were they were real good players, and we had a real good understanding next to each other. Then I went to Bolton, and Gary Cahill was um, was a was a leader. Uh, again, another defender that just wanted to defend and, and loved keeping the ball out of the net. Um, at Watford, I had players like Robert Page, who was a Welsh international. Um, so so yeah, I, I was lucky enough to play with some good players alongside me that again, help my game develop as well as a, as a left-back. Now, in 2012, you played for Leeds under Neil Warnock. What is it to be coached by him? What's it like? He's mental. He's just, uh, he's just, he's just mad. He, he says it how it is. It's, there's, no, there's, no, like, uh, there's no ifs or buts. It is, that's it. You do your job. If you don't do your job, you're not playing. Um, and that's why he's managed for so long and he's, he's had so many clubs. Um, and he's had promotions. So, so yeah, for me, it was, uh, it was interesting working with Neil because you didn't know quite how to take him as a, as, a, as a manager. But as a person, I really enjoyed working with him. Yeah, he was good at motivating people. How would... Um, sorry, Dan, I was just going to say this. How, of course, you're saying about... You know, he says it as it is. Did that at all, at any time, like upset the squad, even though, as you said, you could, it could motivate you? No, I think as players, um, you have to accept that if you're not playing well, you don't play. Um, and if the manager thinks you've done something wrong during the game, you accept it because you should know. You should know it was your fault if you made a mistake and you've led to a goal or you're making too many mistakes that you know you're not playing your own game. So, yeah, I mean, he, he was he was brutally honest. And, and for me, I love that. I, like A lot of managers I've worked with over the years, like Gary Megson, Brian Robson, even Kenny Jackett, Graham Taylor, they were all honest managers and they told you how it was, yeah. So I, I, loved, I loved the honesty. Um, Harry Rodenap, you worked under um, him. What was he like as a manager? Was he a bit like Neil Warnock in the strictness or not really? Yeah, I think Harry's obviously, again, another manager that's, that's, that's worked at the highest level and, again, another character in the game. Um, and there's not, there's not many of them around now. Um, so, yeah, he, again, Harry would tell you, as it is, um, he wouldn't play you if you weren't playing well. And he was on the same lines as Neil Warnock. He, like you say, all the top managers seem to have long careers in management. And, and, and that's why, is that they get the best out of the players when they need to. Well, you spent six years of your career at Birmingham. What was your favourite thing about the club as a whole? The whole club itself, I just loved. Um, obviously, it was a family club when I first signed. The people, I loved the people like on a day-to-day -day basis. The ones that not not everyone gets to see behind the scenes, having um, like close relationships with them, laughs and jokes, getting to know people, getting to know their families. Um, so yeah, for me that's important in football. Is that when when you're working with people, you don't just you don't just work with the football players or the coaching staff. You get you get to know the whole the whole stadium, the whole the whole crap. Like the, even the fans, I loved I love working with the fans, getting to know the fans as well because they're real passionate. So for me, it's important whatever club you go to, you, you you've got to understand the whole club in general. Mm. You've played under uh, many different managers at Birmingham, as, as Dan said, Harry Redknapp. But then there was also Gianfranco Zola, who, who was at the club. He wasn't hugely successful, but he was a big name. What was it like to work under you know, such a big footballing name? 
again, yeah, learning different things off Gianfranco. I mean, his technical ability, um, even the stuff that he put on in training, obviously was 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 on another level. With we understand why he played for Chelsea and the, the Chelsea players with the regime that they go through. So yeah, it was great learning. Um, different different managers have different ideas. Um, unfortunately for Gianfranco, it didn't work. Um, we will never know what this what the situation was with that with, but on a on a day to day basis, I I love working with him. I love talking to him as the manager, and, and we had a real good bond. So yeah, it was great working with Gianfranco. In 2013, 2014, you won the um, Player of the Season award at Birmingham. What was um, your feeling when you won that? Because obviously that's voted for by the fans. Yeah, it was uh, it was obviously great pride for me in in receiving them awards because when I first signed for Birmingham, obviously that I wasn't wasn't well liked as a person just because of my time at West Brom with um, when I clashed with a player, Damian Johnson, um, and I I wasn't too well liked by the Birmingham fans. But I had to win the fans over, and my my passion and my de- my determination was always to show that on the football pitch. And when you put a shirt on, you got to wear that shirt with pride and passion. And I and I always give a hundred percent, even if I wasn't having a good game. I would always give my best and, and do my best for the team. Um, so, yeah, when obviously you get named by the fans for, for the award and, um, and and by, the like you say, everyone else at the football club, it's it's, it's a great sense of achievement that you, you know that you, you've done your job in what you wanted to do and that was to win people over. Now, uh, another question about Birmingham here is another manager, Gary Rowett, yeah, um, uh, it was a very interesting situation, of course, being sacked in, in such a good league position, um, yeah. which many people in the championship would take. What, did, what was the feeling amongst the squad um, when you found out the news that he'd been sacked by the club? Yeah, we was all disappointed. Um, Gary, for me, he's one of the best. He's one of the best young English managers out there. Um, I loved working with him. Uh, I still speak to him now. I still have conversations with him now because, obviously, when I was coaching and, and getting used to the stuff that I was doing, he was a, he was a great man to speak to with ideas and, and information he'd give you. So, I mean, it, when, he, when he left, everyone was devastated. Like the players that he brought together, um, the squad was well-knitted. He had a good dressing room um, and it was, it was just out of the blue. So no one really knew what was going on. Um, and it's football nowadays, though. We see this. Uh, it, it's, it's sad that managers are not getting the longevity or the plan, like you say, that clubs have got where they're like a five-year plan, it's not managers are getting the opportunity now to succeed that time. So, yeah, when Gary left, there was a lot of unhappy people in the dressing room, but it was my job to then get people back on board and, and try and get them focused in taking the club forward. What was it like as a player to reach your 500th professional appearance? Unbelievable. I mean, obviously, you don't look at it um, until you've achieved it. For me, it was just playing games. Um, I just love playing football. So I never really looked at the amount of games that I did. And obviously, I hung my boots up and people had told me that, all in all, I think it was like 760 odd games I played altogether. Um, so, yeah, I mean, fantastic achievement for me. And I never really had any in, in main injuries that kept me out for long periods of time. So I, I tended to look after my body quite well. You recently spent time coaching at Birmingham Youth Academy. Um, what are your yeah. um, plans for the future? Is it to go into management? Yeah, obviously, I'd like to. I'd like to stay in um, in the coaching side of it. Maybe work um, back with the under twenty threes, like I did before when I first got the role at Birmingham, uh, linked with the first team, and then and then try my my hand at, at being a manager at some point. I mean, 
I'm still young, I'm still learning. Um, like you say, when you're a player, you start at the bottom of the ladder and I'm no different when I'm coaching. I understand that you have to, you have to work your way up the ladder and, 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 and do it the right way. So, so yeah, I made a decision that I wanted to leave Birmingham two, three weeks ago and I'm ambitious and I want something different. I've been there eight years um, as, as a person. So I just wanted a new challenge and hopefully that challenge will, will come somewhere else um, and we'll, we'll just see. I'm excited. Now, as you say, now, you've been there for a long time and you were linked with the Birmingham job after Pep Clotet's departure. You were uh, 40 to 1, according to the Birmingham Live, with Andrea Perlo coming at 66 to 1. So obviously showing the quality of management. Would you like to be eventually given the opportunity to manage your former club? Yeah, definitely. 100%. That would be my dream um, to play for the clubs that I'd played for and then to get the opportunity to manage them. Definitely, because I feel like I've got a bond with the fans and they'd understand me, I'd understand them. And I think that's important. I think it's important also that you get ex-players working behind the scenes at the football clubs that they've been at as well, because they understand the structure, they understand the facilities, they understand the players and the mentality. And I just think it works really well. Uh, And finally, if you could give some if you give some advice to aspiring professional footballers and you can give them just one piece of advice, what would it be? Dedication. You've got to be dedicated to it. Um, it's hard work. People might think it's not hard work or they think it's a luxury. It's, it's not because to be a top, top player, you've got to spend loads of hours on the training pitch, loads of hours in the gym, working on your, like your strength, your core, all them little bits and pieces, your detail, um, working on your weaknesses. So yeah, for me, dedication. You've got to be dedicated to be a professional football player because if you're not, then you're not going to make it too far. Well, that is all we have time for in this episode. Thank you so much, for Paul, for coming on and sharing your footballing stories with us. Cheers, Harry. Cheers, Daniel. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to share this episode with your friends. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. That was The Final Whistle. <laughs>